0: Mr Pop. I want to be serious for a moment, Brian, uh, if I can. Thank goodness, Kevin. Thank you. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. We are officially in go mode now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rock and Roll. My name's Kevin Hillier and joining me on my uh, podcast journey is, uh, is the one and only Brian Mannix. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello, Kevin. Hello, uh, Mark Fine, the other part of this uh, trio of, uh, of uh, uncertainty.
1: <laughs> hello, Kevin. Hello, Brian.
0: Thank you for joining me on my podcast journey, gents. It's so lovely to have you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to be part of the Kevin Hillier show. It's oh, it's,
0: it's, it's, our, it's our podcast journey. Because everything these right. days apparently is a journey. No one just does shit anymore. Everyone's on a journey somewhere,
2: right? Oh, on a journey.
0: Yes, it's the most no. overused since um, unprecedented uh, took a back step. Journey has now become uh, everybody's soup of the day. Uh, you know, if if you're if you're walking to the shop, you're on a journey of adventure and discovery into the retail world. Oh, people are just. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was a bit early for that. But, uh... We may not recover from that. I'm not sure. How's your week oh, been, okay. Fleuny? Well, stock standard. I'm a bit disappointed
1: with the Saints on Saturday night, yeah, but I, I did. I went to the football on Sunday with uh, my daughter, Richmond supporter, Richmond Hawthorne.
0: Now, you're a bit furry on us, <laughs> so sound wise, Fleuny. I need you to get a bit uh, less furry. If there's such a... Okay, how's that? There you go. You're much less furry now. Like you just had a Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) That's my journey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And not more a her shoot than a pursuit, if you'll pardon the the terrible... um, Yeah, very good. ...rhyming. Uh, So you went to the footy, uh, uh, obviously, okay, the Saints let you down. We'll talk about that a little later. But you went to the AFLW on Sunday?
1: No, no, AFL, Richmond versus Hawthorne. Oh, okay. And you know what my main observation from the game was? Oh, no, go on. If they make those jam donuts to get after the game any smaller,
0: <laughs> I, could, I could use them in a the game with Marvel. Oh, no. Is that They've suffered the shrinkage sh- issue as well. Oh, boy. They must, put the, they must
1: put the jam in with a syringe or something. I don't know, with a hypodermic needle because <laughs> – I remember those donuts, you know. They used to be they used to be big ballotters, big balls, but nothing
0: Yeah, they were like they were they, I mean they were hand fillers. Yeah. No.
1: No,
0: unfortunately, I now look like Turkey Ambrose with one of those in my hand. You yeah. can barely see this. Oh, that, uh, well, everything. I mean, I, I, I oh, it must have been over about a year or so ago. Oh, it was before COVID, so it was more than a year or so ago. I bought a wagon wheel at a servo, you know, standing there ah. paying for the petrol, and I thought, oh, this will be great, and I got it in the car, and it was like the size of a 20-cent piece, and I thought, well, that was a complete bloody waste of time and money. Yeah, more like yeah. a roller skate wheel. You yeah. Know, so it's- they're tiny. Yeah. No, it's just it's
2: just the world's just a terrible place, Kev. They make the donuts smaller, they make the wagon wheel smaller. Joe Biden has cost me seven grand on the stock market. The guy's he's been dead for weeks and he's still threatened to reckon things. <laughs> oh, right. Um it's just it's just an awful, awful world at the moment, Kev. Yes. Tiny.
0: I can I can tell you're you're uh, you're a bit you're a bit flat there, uh, there, Brian. Oh, look, I'm flatter than Twiggy's chest. That's how
2: I am. Lovely. But,
0: ooh. Now I did note that uh, that, uh, and I want to talk to you about dinner tick, but I want to finish with funny. So, what else, What any any other excitement in the week, Mister Vine, apart from going to the Richmond game and being disappointed with the donuts?
1: All right, this is uh, I'm not going to be savoury listening, but um, we had a plumbing issue at home. We all got backed up, and oh, ooh, she was pretty nasty here. But luckily, the, the South East Melbourne Water, whoever runs things came out and unclogged the blockage. But until then, oh, boy. There was some, I'll tell you what, there was some gurgling going on. <laughs> you, just, you just heard a sort of, you know, not many specific cats, just this gurgling in the house. It felt like I was living over sort of, you know, Mount Aructis and... Everybody was very scared to go to the toilet. <laughs>
0: that's not that's not something you want in your house uh, when you have uh, you know more than just a couple of people in the in the housing facility.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep, uh, yeah. We, we actually we're one of those too. I've just gone through the process of uh, you know the claim forms and all those sort of things because we had a, a leak that uh, leaked into some carpet, which became awfully pungent.
1: Yeah, but, You know, we. We sort of rely on things, we just take it for granted, flush the toilet, you know, turn on the dishwasher, yep. and everything gets washed away, but, you know, not to sort of back up Brian with the state of the world, but we literally all do live on a sort of a, a, a mountain of shit. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> we, are, we are terribly reliant on technology and take things for granted, but if you were to dig deeper, you'd know that we were only one disaster away from complete disaster.
0: Yep. And and I don't reckon there's any bigger disaster in a household than a backed-up toilet, to be perfectly honest. I don't think there's anything that kind of more impacts every member of the household than that.
1: Absolutely. You know, it is. Everybody's sort of walking around. You you walk around sort of sniffing the air. Yep. And then then you wonder whether you become immune to it.
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. Well that's just you know that's just how we're sort of living in it and, and you leave the house for the afternoon and come back in and go, Oh my God.
2: Yes. <laughs> we
1: had this, we had become immune to it. Pick this Ooh. up
0: now. <laughs> yes, it does become a bit like that. And and there's that uh, that initial kind of thing when it happens too of oh hang on, should I say anything? Or is it just, you know, is it just a once a kind of smell or is this
1: Yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know what my cure to us was, of course. Mm-hmm. Just flushing the toilet over and over and over again. <laughs> Come on, get moving, get moving. Then we tried the Draino. Then we tried the something straight out of cartoons. This is the one household product that is straight out of cartoons, the plunger. Oh yeah. Oh yes.
0: <laughs> you know. yes. Oh, you know, god, so yes.
1: go next go next door and ask the coyote whether we can borrow his plunger. <laughs>
0: And the other thing is those all those Drano products, all the warnings on them about getting them near your eyes, your hands, your your throat, anything, you, you start to think, my God, is this some sort of scientific experiment that they're doing in Houston somewhere that I shouldn't be touching, all these little crystal yeah, things you need to
1: pour everywhere? Yeah, yeah. they are pretty destructive, I must imagine, you know. So, yeah, spot on. It's like put on the gloves, put on the helmet, yeah, yes. um, going in. Yes, and then all you do is open the lid and pour some into the sun, you know, I mean, or down the sink. But Yeah, all that made was for a very fizzy, gurgling cocktail. It sounded like my stomach after two pizzas and a Picardian Coke.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we've uh, we've got to the bottom of what the I uh, knew there was something lurking there, Mister Fine. I knew there was. I uh, you'd had an interesting week. I just I could just feel it. Not in my water, fortunately for everybody. Uh, Brian, I yep. want to be I want to be serious for a moment, Brian, uh, if I can.
2: Thank goodness, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs>
0: um, you went to Michael Godinski's uh, state funeral. Can you can you tell us a little about it? Well,
2: it's, um, it was a good send off for Michael. Um, it was. Uh, It was was fairly long. I think it went for about three hours. Um, Ed Sheeran was terrific. Um, Kylie was good. I thought Barnes used a little bit opportunistic in that he came out and he said, um, okay, here's the new single. And uh, Michael loved it. He played it to everybody. said it was going to be a hit. So here it is. And I thought, oh, see, I don't know about doing your new single at the funeral. Maybe you should have done it for classic. Yeah, it seemed a little bit opportunistic to me. But, um, but you know, it was good. It was a good send off for Michael. And um, uh, there was no, there was no grog there, which was silly. Um, but uh, no, it was good. And um, you know, um, I've I, I heard a lot of the speeches at the uh, other funerals. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think um, it was a good send off for Michael. And um, you know, uh yeah, that's about all I can say. That it was it was good and um and I enjoyed the, it.
0: What I've what yep. I've read uh, since is that the, the rabbi stole the show. Well, I'd seen him at the other funeral and uh okay.
2: yeah, he was very funny. Um he was good, like everybody's sort of going, What's a rabbi doing here? Like Michael was Jewish, but he probably wasn't the most practicing uh Jewish person I believe. Yeah. Um, to to the point where um yeah, I, everybody was surprised that he was such good friends with the rabbi, and I think that's what they were. They were friends more than a um, more than a religious confidant.
0: Yep. All right. Well, but um, yeah, he was very funny. He was good. Yep. Uh, well, a, f- a fitting farewell, and uh, and the legacy, I guess, is that the the Arias have named a, an award uh, for the breakout artist. I think it is uh, in in honor of Michael. I'm, I'm sure that won't be the only uh, the last, of that. and I'm I also. I'm hearing whispers, Brian, that there might be a massive big mushroom uh, concert thing happening maybe early next year. Well, I hope so.
2: I think that would be um, a a very fitting thing to do for Michael. As Uh, in the
0: 50 years, I think it is.
2: Well, where will we be in 50 years? I wonder if I'll get a guarantee since I've got the 50 years.
0: Mm. Well, you
2: should. I should, but, you know, there's no guarantees. Who knows? But, um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. I think it'd be great to see, um, you know, all of the mushroom bands sort of get together and um, w- wheel it out one more time and be good. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, the first thing I I did in Melbourne for 3XY was the 10-year anniversary concert at the Maya Music Bowl, which went for uh, over uh, on the Sunday, I think, of the Australia Day weekend, which was uh, the end of January in 1982. Um, and that, yep. was a, that was a massive concert, massive concert. Um, so I hope they little, do something like that. Was, who
1: was in that concert, Kevin? Sorry, do you remember some of the, Who was in that new concert?
0: Oh yeah, uh, there was a there's a uh, a yellow and green T-shirt that I have somewhere in this house that has the entire lineup. You were on that, Brian. I know the. I think I introduced. No, no, I wasn't. I hadn't signed yet. Oh, um, okay. I remember. I remember watching it on TV
2: and thinking. Yeah, I would have with Mushroom. That's the artist that the record company I would have with. But I remember the models were on it. Yes, they were. Um, the Sunny Boys? Probably. Sunny Boys were probably there. The Sports were probably there. They were. Um, I don't know. I, I can not remember think, who
0: else. I think Joe and the Falcons were on it. Yeah, they would have been there. I can't, I can't office, remember if no, all 55 were or not. I can't
2: remember. No, if no they, they weren't there. a Mushroom act, I don't think. So yeah, they, they were probably
0: weren't there. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Melbourne bands, so uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I Wendy int- and the Rockets are probably there. Yeah, they were. Um, I'm sure the band I introduced on stage were the Runners. I'm sure that's who I the I, Runners. I- yeah, they would have been there. Yeah, so yeah, it, was, yeah. it was big, it was a massive concert, a massive crowd. I remember walking out on the stage and going, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> welcome to Melbourne, Kev. Uh, so, yeah, let's hope they do something like that, uh, uh, sort of that to January, February, because uh, that was sort of the Sunbury thing was where Michael started the whole mushroom thing, so let's hope they do something with that. Now, Brian, I also have to ask you, again, I want to be sensible. Um, yeah, me too. Godzilla versus King Kong, who won? Well, wow. <laughs> I I watched Skull
2: Island the other night, which is the King Kong movie before this movie. And I tell you what, King Kong's form in that was absolutely brilliant. He was fighting everything. I don't know why he was eating people and an octopus, considering he's a gorilla and that's a herbivore or whatever it is. Yep. But I watched him fighting lizards and everything. And I put him down as a thirty-five favourite to beat Godzilla. <laughs> I don't think Godzilla's got the laser beam, but Kong is just massive and strong and aggro and somehow he's just compelling. And um, so I'll be yelling off to see that, perhaps wait to the Savo to make sure that uh, Kong does indeed uh, get the
0: lollies. Beautiful. All right. Just want to so know, I knew you'd been doing a bit of research into that one. Um, A couple of uh, sad passings in the last week since we did this program. Uh, George Siegel, the actor, unfortunately uh, passed away last week, and Jessica Walter. Uh, Jessica Walter is one of the scariest women I've ever seen on on film in my life.
1: Who's Jessica Walter? Oh, Christ. Go on, Finey. Well, she was the mum in Arrested Development
2: Uh,
1: and also played the voice of um, the mother in Archer, my favourite animated TV series. Yep. And as she goes back, she's done quite a few things, but she really was at the height of her powers in her mid-60s onwards. And it's so sad to hear that she passed away.
0: Yeah, she was 80. But uh, now, I've never watched Arrested Development, but the people I know who have absolutely tell me that she was fantastic in it. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: And, and, and in Archer, plays a very similar character even though it's animated, and her voice just oh, look, really a huge loss. Uh, I didn't realise, you know, she was 80, and I, I don't know what she passed away from, but that's very sad. Yeah, it is. Thanks, George, for support, for support.
0: And George. And let me say about Jessica Walter, when I said she's the scariest woman ever, um, uh, that that dates back to the film that I remember her best from, which was uh, Clint Eastwood's play Misty for me. She was Clint's story. Oh. Yeah, there you go. I knew you'd know Brian as soon as I mentioned that. Oh, she's terrific. There you go. Hey, Misty for
2: me oh. is Misty for Evelyn. <laughs> yeah, Evelyn. Evelyn, that's
0: right. Yes. I
2: you know was my little pyjama suit waiting for you to come around. <laughs> Evelyn, get out. Get out, Evelyn.
0: Oh, what a movie. <laughs> now, I was a very young, impressionable disc jockey when that movie came out. It frightened the absolute bejesus out of me, I can tell you oh. that much.
2: I remember having to have an orange juice at half time. It was on first and it was, I was
0: shaking. It was that... <laughs> it was so intense, it was great. Yeah, it was good. Clint was very good, very, very good in that, and she was yeah, just, no. she was stunning. I, I've, I can't remember. Clint's girlfriend was one of the Douglas girls, I think. was um, oh, the blonde girl It looked like Olivia. Yeah, I can't think of her name. I think it something Douglas. Um, but uh, was a bit un- unromantic. He takes her down to the frickin'
2: bush. And then he gets her under the waterfall in the nude and I have a root on the side of the ground on the grass. And I'm thinking, gee wish you could have sprung for a hotel room, Clint. You've patched mm. up.
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure the storyboard read exactly the same way you described it then, uh, Brian, but, I'm, I'm, yeah, the, the sentiment's the same, Yes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah so, uh, no, no, no. so, so it's a couple of sad passings in the entertainment. Well, hey, and the other one with the, that uh, I didn't see it, and I haven't seen it yet, but I do want to say, Peter Hitchener had a bit of a um, uh, uh, an episode on Channel Nine News, uh, where he, uh, he actually had to be taken off air.
2: Really? Oh, really? I thought that was part of a hacking because I saw him and he sort of stumbled that, and I wasn't sure if he'd had a stroke or whether he'd because um, they in the morning news because remember how Nine got hacked this week? Yep. Um, well, they hacked into the teleprompters and stuffed up the newsletters in the morning oh. on the Today Show or whatever it was. Yeah. So there's always the, I don't know, the teleprompter didn't work. So I just assumed that it was another hacking thing that had stuffed up Peter Hitchin a bit. No, oh, he was
0: quick, was he? Yeah, no, he apparently had a migraine and uh, that uh, that affected him. There were many people who jumped on social media and thought he actually was, as you said, Brian, having a stroke, but he had a migraine and they had to take him off. Um, they went to a break, came back out of the break, and I think Clint Stanaway finished up completing the news. Now, it wasn't a, wasn't a hack. It was uh, poor old Hitch had a migraine, but uh, apparently he'll be back on deck. Um, he's feeling good. Sent a few um, messages out on Twitter saying he was okay, so that's good. That is good. Cool. We love the hitch. And um, how did Quince Sannaway go with the most important part of the news? What was that? The throw to himself? No, it was a bit after. Thank you, the big... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> Oh, that's the best part of the news, that Pete does
0: that. It gets a bit of a giggle going. I love it. Yeah, it most certainly is. All right. Uh, now, we're going to talk some... And fo- also, fo- too, yes. Yes. Doris yes. Day passed away during the week. Oh, no, she didn't, did she? She's She's gone. Oh. She's gone. Yeah,
2: just thought I'd let you know. Oh, Bad sad, news. Sad passing. Sad passing. Yeah. Doris.
0: Okay. All right. Have you, been, have you continued to watch Married at First Sight or we weaned you off it?
2: Um, I've been, I've been a bit off it. Um, I watched a few things. They're just such idiots. You know, they just, if they just choose their words better, they wouldn't have all of these arguments. It's just ridiculous. But, um, and I reckon that, um, the chick with the horsey head, she's got the hots for the, the prick. And I reckon, stay tuned. There'll be some development there.
0: The chick with the horsey head. <laughs> she has got a really long head. She's oh. quite beautiful, but she's got a head like a horse. Oh.
2: And she just can't let this dickhead she keeps calling him out and see it's none of her business what he's doing, but she just can't get him out of her head.
0: Is the radio bloke so still be, in it? Is Bryce uh, Is he still in it? Yeah, I think he's the dickhead, isn't he? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's um yeah, I think Corset's gonna have a crack at him. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. That's the update.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the storyboard from Married at First Sight didn't didn't have those that explanation of what was going to happen written out quite like that. But anyway, hey, uh, footy yeah, tips, footy tips, boys. Oh. Yeah, you may well. <laughs> oh, I did terrible. You did. You got three. Oh, you got three. How far did he go? He got four.
2: How mm. would you go? I got six. Yeah, well, well done. I
0: don't re- well, reckon right I reckon people who, uh, who were systematic in their tipping would have got seven or better, I reckon. It would... Um, I'd tip North Melbourne in retrospect. I've got absolutely no idea. The one that I reckon would have stung everyone fine, was you is, is your lot. What did you make of your game against uh, Melbourne with all the all the pump up at the start and all the, the Danny Frawley round, all all that? And um, uh, how did you feel at the end of it?
1: Yeah, they got they look like they got ahead of themselves, the Saints, really. I yeah. mean, uh, halfway through the second quarter, they were on top for Kilda and very tough with themselves. But... No, Melbourne were more than deserved winners and when they regained the league, St Kilda, I think, you know, except for two or three players who played a good game for the Saints, Deb Ross and Jack Steele, the the rest of them, didn't pull their finger out. So I I imagine it's been a pretty tough week on the track. I guess we've got a chance to bounce back against those poor old bombers. It's the league at back. No, not impressed by St Kilda at all.
0: Or was that your low light of the footy watching weekend? Well, per- personally, it was absolutely. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, my highlight—that West Coast Bulldog, Western Bulldogs game—that was a fantastic game of footy.
0: Yeah, it was. It really was. Yeah, it was. I agree. Agree. Totally agree. Um, if if they don't muck around with any more boys, you've found, you've found what works um, and uh, the game's looking really good. Don't touch it, leave it alone.
1: Yeah, I think they'd be pretty happy with the changes that they made, but it was just a great game. Pendulum swinger could have gone either way. Great result for the Dog.
0: Yep. Had some, had some really good uh, sort of cliffhanger results. That, uh, that Brisbane uh, Geelong game was, was good to watch right up till the very end as well. Um, that, uh, that fluctuated a fair bit. Your highlight and light of the week, uh, does it involve the Bombers by any stretch of the imagination, Mr Mannix?
2: This is it. We're two weeks into the season and my season is already over. Um,
0: you know, they could have at
2: least tried to fool me for a couple more weeks Do so I mm-hmm. think we have a chance. But, no, nah, here we are, two weeks in, half the team's injured. They're playing like shit. It's more mediocrity than last year. I don't think Kruk's got a clue what he's doing. Um, no, nah, they're just a rabble. They're just a mess, and I won't be tipping them again this year. They're just shit out. All right. And, you know, as I said once before, when your team's going bad, you realise this is just a shit-out game, a bunch of competitive macho bullshit, <laughs> and I'm just sick to death of it. Uh,
0: spoken like a true Bombers supporter. Um, <sighs> my highlight were the close results. I thought that it was terrific uh, to have some of those, that kind of excitement back in, uh, into watching footy again. And my low light, I watched a very small amount for obvious reasons of the North Melbourne game. My God, they're awful. I, I, I can't think of a side I've seen that's more inept than they were on the weekend. I don't think they are that inept, but by God, they looked it on the weekend. They, they couldn't have hit a cow on the ass with a frying pan. They were terrible. They've probably been training with the bombers then. <laughs> um, uh, is there is there any light at the end of the tunnel from a football point of view for North Melbourne Finny that you can see? Yeah, it's a train that's coming towards
1: me. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm big the big stage is theirs because, of course, they're sort of bleated and complained and finally been given the big end, out the big Good Friday game. And so who do they come up against? The rampant Western Bulldogs. That's going to be right. a train wreck, isn't it, on yeah. Good Friday night?
0: Well, it should be, to be honest. If the doggies play so the way they play.
1: Yeah. Everybody be watching North Melbourne and the Bulldogs. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yes. Now, I have to, um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of, uh, of this week's games and, and look at the uh, the tips, um, I uh, I said I would bear my bum in Brian's bathroom if uh, Tex Walker came up with another game like he did in round one against Geelong. Yeah. Where, where you'll remember. I, I
2: like Finey, and I'm too scared to go to my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, In round one, Tex kicked 5-2, had uh, 18 disposals and got 105 AFL fantasy points. Now, I said if he had a game like that again, I'd bear my bum in Brian's uh, bathroom. Well, uh, I'm not doing it, Brian, because he actually had a better game than that. (laughs) Even though they lost, he kicked 6-3. Uh, had 15 disposals and got 120 AFL points. So he surpassed the game that he had the week before. So um, I'm not bearing my butt cheeks in your bathroom, Mannix. Thank you very much. I appreciate At that. At least not based on, the, on that bet I'm not, okay? No, nah, no, nah, okay. Why don't you send him a signed autograph? <laughs> 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 yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll fax it over to you, Brian. I'll whack my, my butt on the fax machine and off we go.
2: Oh, fantastic. I'll send Ben Rutten a dead budgie in the
0: mail. <laughs> oh, uh, now he's going back upstairs now. He's not going to coach from the boundary line. He's going to go upstairs and sit in the coach's box.
2: Well, he didn't coach in the boundary line the other day. Just sat there watching us get killed. <laughs> he did.
0: <said, "Yeah."> uh, <laughs> um, speaking of coaches, finally I, I haven't heard your thoughts on the Chris Scott um, Chris Fagan, uh, the sort of quarter time. Well, what do you what do you make of those sort of things when they happen at the footy? Do you like those?
1: Yeah. Oh, I does not really matter, to be honest. A little bit of theatre, but it was funny because I was watching Brisbane versus Geelong, and at quarter time broke or whatever it happened it was it quarter time break, yep. or whatever. Quarter time. Um, yeah, I was sort of uh, distracted. I can't remember. I was looking at something else, and I, and I looked back. And I had this really strange thought just for five or ten seconds because it showed uh, a very animated Chris Scott looking towards the Brisbane players and saying something or gesticulating. And I don't know why. I had a brain face. And I thought, what's going on? Chris Scott, he's, he's from Brisbane. He plays for Brisbane. What's going on there? I just had this. Flashback from when he was a Brisbane player. Yeah. And I sort of thought, why is he doing that to Brisbane players? He's, he's with Brisbane. And then I thought, no, he's not. He's with Geelong, of course. Yeah. But it probably took me back to the day that um, he and his brother got stuck in the Nick Rewalt in that final. Oh, yes. Playing for Brisbane. It's uh, just, a, just a, a, a bit of theatre, I would have thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think there was much to it. I don't. Know, I do know whether anyone needs to. Would there needs to be any fines or any other involved? What What, um, what did you make of that? And everyone's talked about the Blixarves, um tackle and uh, prior opportunity, and uh, they've come out and said now they made a mistake. Um, it wouldn't be the only mistake they made in the game, by the way. But uh, well,
1: exactly, exactly, because well, here's a couple of things. First of all. Um, that was a bad decision, and the ASL said it was wrong. Yep. There was a much worse decision in the third quarter that also went Geelong's way. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yep. When Zach Guthrie got the ball in exactly the same spot, oh, sorry, Cam Guthrie, Cameron Guthrie, yep. tried to break a tackle, got spun around once, still holding the ball, got spun around twice, still holding the ball. The third time he got spun around, he actually through it netball style to Joel Selwood about two feet, who snapped the goal. That was just an atrocious piece of umpire. Yep. Yep. All clear, allowed to continue. But then, if Brisbane want to say, well, that, that cost us the game one of those decisions where we lost by a point, then why not have a word to Eric Hickwood, who's got the ball at the top of the goal square, nobody between him and the goal umpire, and he decided to kick some sort of
0: Banana torpedo. Yes, I saw that.
1: And he missed the goals. I mean, it was an atrocious miss.
0: Yeah.
1: So, if you want to point the finger, well, control the controllables and get your full forward or your leading goal kicker on the night. to well, saunter in and kick a goal that a six-year-old could kick.
0: Hey, funny with, yeah, with, with the – sorry, go on, Brian. I thought the umpiring was pretty
2: ordinary on the weekend in that and you notice it more when you're watching teams that you don't care about, but I thought Brisbane were ripped off horribly by the umpires and they in this plane to the home crowd. I thought Carlton has got a pretty bad deal from um, the umpires, and I think they did against Richmond as well, and Port Adelaide against Essendon. You know, they're clearly a better team than Essendon. But the home crowd, the, the umpires seem to... If you're Geelong or Collingwood, you seem to get a lot more free kicks than if you... You know, North Melbourne or Hawthorne. Um, I just think, yeah, I think the is
0: pretty poor. Funny, you've been an umpire, and I and uh, I love that perspective that you bring uh, with that. Uh, do you think that? Do you feel that when you watch games that hope the home decision is is in the mix?
1: Yep, it's called the um, the, the roar of affirmation. Yep, that some umpires look it. it you're umpiring again, you make a decision and you get thirty thousand people booing you, it's a lot easier to make a decision sometimes or in some umpires' minds and have thirty thousand people cheering you. So they've got to be coached and they've got to be sort of mentally prepared to completely work in a vacuum, which of course you do when you umpire d grade reserve in the amateurs. That is umpiring in a vacuum. So the only crowd
0: something um,
1: the other thing that I really believe comes to, to the fore, and I saw it in the Richmond Hawthorne game. Now, Richmond Hawthorne was a Hawthorne home game at the MCG.
0: Yep.
1: So I'd say the crowd was pretty equal, Hawthorne and Richmond. 45,000 would have been split down the middle. I certainly didn't get a sense of a home, of a home crowd influencing the umpire. But many times, freeze were paid or more often not paid against Richmond or to Richmond because they were the fastest period team. And I know this through my own experience as a St Kilda fan, that when St Kilda has been on the bottom of the ladder, which they have been for much of the time that I've followed footy, they get nothing. And as you become a better team, you start to get the rub of the green. I don't know whether the umpires sort of think better players and better teams do things correctly. But it is harder when you're a lower team to get the rub of the green. What do yeah. you think of that?
0: Yeah, well, but having been a Bulldog supporter in their, in their dire times, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. that. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I agree.
2: I think, you know, if you've you watched the soccer, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, they, they don't get a yellow card as quickly as other players do. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely have to soccer with the big teams in England. Yeah. has been a criticism in the past that they just they get away with that little bit more that makes all the difference.
0: Yeah. Do yeah, umpires. Funny, of- might, still- might, might, probably best to answer this. Uh, the, I, I just got to. I, I get the feeling sometimes that the umpires are, are very heavily influenced by what they're told the, the, they. The, the authorities, uh, you know, whoever that is, whether it's the umpiring fraternity or whether it's the AFL itself, of how they want the game to look, so they officiate to how they want the game to look. So the the congestion, the what we call them, you know, rugby mall th- situation, um, has been getting worse and worse, and it's a real blight on the game. To to alleviate that, the ball's got to come out somehow. Uh, are they are they worried more now about the ball actually getting out of that congestion, and how it gets out doesn't matter as long as it gets out, so they're not picking up every single throw. Because someone explained to, to me during the on the weekend that if the ball doesn't – if you don't dispose of the ball by foot or by hand, then it's not the right way to dispose of the ball, and therefore it should be a free kick.
1: Well, that's not quite correct. Um, the rule states that if you don't have prior opportunity, as long as you attempt to dispose of the ball legally, it's play on. So, in other words, you get the ball, you're tackled instantaneously. Yep. You go to handball, but one hand's held. So, effectively, you're sort of thrown it with the other hand. That's actually play on. Okay. That's, if you've got prior yeah. opportunity, you must dispose of the ball legally by hand or by foot, handball or kick. So, that's where the umpire's interpretation comes into okay.
0: it. Okay. But,
1: but I do agree, and I think maybe because we've got far less stoppages this year, they may become more attentive to legal disposal, but certainly in the last couple of years, the obsession with keeping the ball moving and reducing the number of stoppages had umpires turning a blind eye to how the ball was being disposed of, yep. and these KPIs are measured. Every game, the nabobs at the AFL count how many stoppages there are, and you know a game with a lot of stoppages is deemed to be less attractive than ones with less. And maybe that's how Geelong have developed their mode of disposal. Because did you see in the game against Brisbane, uh, they got caught with one, got penalised for another, virtually a throw. If they claim that there's a little bit of fist in it, well, let's just say, if that, you know, if they claim that there was a fist, then I'd give it a G rating because there was no fist to it. <laughs> this was pure throw. In fact, on both occasions, not only did the player throw the ball, but it should have been called forward for a it could should have been called a free kick for a forward
0: pass.
1: Yeah. It was so much like rushing Yeah. That yeah. they could have called it for a forward pass. So maybe with the worst of the stoppages behind us the umpires can now turn their attention to legal use of
0: the disposal, especially handbook. Okay. We'll see how that develops in the next couple of weeks. That's an interesting observation. All right. Yeah. Let's get to your tips. Uh, and the <coughs> uh, the latter uh, at the end of uh, the uh, round two has uh, – <coughs> where do I put that? I had it somewhere. Uh, I'm on 11. Finey's on 9. And, Brian, you're on 8. Mm. No, many times. Yep, plenty of time, Tony. Early in the season, we head to round three. Starts right. uh, Starts in uh, in Melbourne now because of the lockdown in Brisbane. So the Lions will take on Collingwood. That'll be at Marvel Stadium, Brian. Go the Lions. Ooh. Yeah, I think the Lions. Yeah, I like them. Okay. Finey? How about
1: Collingwood? Aren't they kissed on the Mason Cox? <laughs> the
0: <laughs> yes, they are. Um, yeah. I'm going to Collingwood. Collingwood, yep. yep. Me too. I think they've. I think the Lions might uh, might struggle. Uh, they um, be a bit flat, and then you know, talk about sliding door moments. If they win the game on on Sunday, who knows, or, or Friday night, whenever it was, uh, you know that might have changed all. It mightn't have been the lockdowns hit them, the the one point losses hit them, the bad umpiring decisions hit them. They've run out of clothes. They were stuck in a motel in Geelong. Now they're stuck in a motel in Melbourne. Um, very. But disc-
1: the big problem is they can't
0: make any changes. Oh, of course. I hadn't even they can't thought of
1: fly that. can anybody in from
0: Hadn't uh. even thought of that. Had not even thought of that. Yes, you're right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think it's all against them. You know and change your tip, Brian? You happy to stay with the lions? No, no, no. I've got to catch up. So there's one I'll catch up there. Okay. Western Bulldogs in North Melbourne, is there any point going through this with any great detail, boys? Not really. Mm-hmm. So we're all Western Bulldogs? I just found... Yeah, we're all Bulldogs. Okay. Adelaide Crows and Gold Coast Suns is the other Good Friday game. This one's at Adelaide Oval. Uh, Crows or Suns, Brian?
2: Ah, look. I'm going to go to the Suns. What the heck?
0: Okay, funny. I don't know why. But... <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I'm going to go for the Crows. Crows. And uh, I think I might go for the Crows as well. Saturday games. Richmond take on the Swans. Jeez, this will be a pretty good That'll game. Be a yeah, what do you reckon, Finey? I've got to go with the Tigers. Yep, Brian. Where is it? At the MCG. MCG. Yeah. No, I've to go to the Tigers. Richmond, Richmond, and Richmond for me as well. Essendon take on St Kilda now, Brian. This is the this is the big test for you. You can you don't yep. have you 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 can tip them. No,
2: I'm not going. They're a bunch of rubbish. <laughs> uh, they by ten goals.
0: Okay. Uh, by ten, by 10 goals, jeez. Fine, I'm, at least I'm assuming you're sticking with your boys.
1: Yeah, I'll go for the bounce back, St Kilda.
0: Okay, I'm going to go for St Kilda as well. No, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bombers actually won it. West Coast take on Port Adelaide at Optus Stadium. What a, what a terrific game this might be. What do you like, Fine? Uh West Coast Eagles. Mr Mannix. I
2: don't like them, but I think they'll win Port Adelaide.
0: Yep, me too, actually. Uh, I think they're going to be a major play-up this year. Sunday, and we've oh, got, we got games across five days this uh, this coming round. So on Sunday, Carlton take on Frio at Marvel Stadium at uh, that lovely, uh, uh, convenient-for-everybody time of 3.20 on Sunday afternoon. Uh, who do you like, Brian, Carlton or the Dockers? Uh,
2: well, Jack Fife, I believe, is out for three weeks. And as fine said last week. They lost
0: a few backmen So...
2: I think Carlton will get their first win for the year.
0: Okay. Uh, I agree with you on that. And what do you think, Mr. Fan?
2: Yeah, big loss. That five. I'll go with Carlton.
0: Yep. Carlton all round for everybody there.
2: Well, and Carlton's got Levi Casbolt too. Isn't he? he's, wow. He, he, so you know that thing that you've got to stand still and you're on the mark and you can't move? Well, Levi Casbolt, he's doing that all around the ground. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, He's really adapted to the new world wonderfully.
0: (laughs) Uh, GWS take on Melbourne at uh, Marnica, so it's a Canberra game uh, for the Giants, who were pretty poor on the weekend. Uh, Mr Fine, what's your form line here?
1: That's really interesting. Um, I'm going to
0: go for the Giants. GWS to bounce back for Mr Fine. Uh, Mano, what do you reckon? I agree with Fiddy. I think Melbourne are
2: full of shit. They've got a <laughs> shitty culture. They've bullshitted their way to a couple of victories. But you watch. They'll fall in a heap probably this week. They are rubbish. They stink. Right. I mean, that in a positive and constructive way.
0: <laughs> yes. All right. Um, the Giants got to come good at some stage and win. If they're going to do it, they need to do it this weekend. So I'll, I'll go with the Giants as well. And the traditional Easter Monday game, uh, Geelong take on Hawthorne at the MCG at 3.20 on Monday afternoon after the store gift. What's your thoughts, Fanny?
1: Not an obvious game this time, I tell you. Um, I'd like to see the Geelong ins and outs, but I can't, so I'll have to go with Geelong.
0: Geelong, all right. Uh, Brian? Well,
2: Kev, when you saying it, you just go up and you go for the footy. That's what you do. They don't mind because you're famous. So I'm going for the pussy,
0: the cats. The cats, right. I think Mitch Duncan will play. Um, so I reckon uh, he'll be a big inclusion for him. I think the cats will win that one. All right. So uh, pretty much we're not we're not diametrically opposed too many uh, on this one. Probably, yeah, we're, it'll be interesting. Interesting round sure. of footy. Uh, there's one, two, three, four. There's five games... Six games where we've all gone for the same. So we'll see how the latter goes out after this weekend. So that, uh, All right. All right. Now, a bit of feedback from last week before we get to our, our chart segment, which, right. which we might have a name for. We've had a few suggestions for the name. But uh, Kenny Francis, who's a bit of a, a, a sort of Australian rock and roll living, breathing encyclopaedia, was listening- yes, he is. Was listening to the episode, uh, driving up to Menion to catch Sarah McLeod, a gig that she was doing. I saw her on Rage on the weekend. Of course, the former singer, what was the band she was in? Oh, anyway. McLeod's Daughter. No, she wasn't in band called McLeod's Daughter. Super Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. She's a singer in that. Now, uh, so she said, uh, he said that uh, her show was great. So he's listening to the episode, uh, wanted to pick me up on a couple of things, which is uh, very happy to. Come on, let's do it. The old 55 song we talked about in the chart segment (coughs) last week is, in fact, a Rock Pole T. Jones vocal. Um, he, is yeah. the, he is the singer in that and as Ken quite rightly points out the fact that we couldn't remember the song and he sent me a clip of it and when I saw it I, I did remember it the fact that none of us could remember the song instantly is actually a sad indictment on Australian radio that they don't play it yet we mentioned The Things We Do For Love by 10CC and we all three of us went oh yeah I remember that one um, which is a bit uh, bit disappointing. Um, and he pointed out that the Fives actually had more hits with Rockpile on vocals than they did with Frankie because Rockpile sang Looking for an Echo, Stay, Feels Like a Summer Night, uh, Ruby and Two Faces Have Eyes. So he was the singer on some of their bigger hits. And he also gave us some information on Pussyfoot. Remember we mentioned the way that you do it? Yeah. Well, that was Donna Jones. The uh, She was Pussyfoot. She was the singer. Now, she wasn't Australian, but... Her husband's Australian. Her Australian husband uh, wrote and produced uh, the the songs and was also a member of one of Australia's most successful bands of the late 60s, early 70s, writer, producer and musician behind Pussyfoot. Uh, His name was Mick Flynn and he was a member of the Mixtures. Oh. Yeah, so uh, that's the Australian connection there. Now, Ken suggested chart attack, chart darts, and we've yeah. also we also had the uh, chart bingo or top forty bingo suggested as I like chart, I like chart attack. Yeah, that's the one that uh, that is probably resonating the most with me. finally what's your vote on the uh, on the names for this segment?
2: I mean, chart attack down. You know, you could imagine chart attack. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Jumping up on chart attack is pussyfoot.
0: Bush. Sounds like an episode of I can't believe it's not countdown. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Get, we'll, get, <coughs> we'll get Gavin to do an intro for us. That'll be Dick. There you go. Chart attack. R- rock and roll's chart attack. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... why chart attack will be back in the month. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we'll go with chart attack. So thanks, Ken, for suggesting that. We appreciate it. <coughs> and if you're driving off to some, uh, uh, you know, exotic location to watch a gig over the, uh, the Easter weekend, please drive carefully. Now... So far, we've been to the '90s, the '80s, and the '70s. So, guess what we have on in store here, boys? On parchment, yeah, on yeah, on parchment paper rather than actual paper. It's the new two UW Top Forty, the week commencing the seventeenth of October, nineteen sixty-eight. Ooh, cool! I was twelve. Ooh, how old were you? Oh, no, I reckon you'll know all the songs because all the songs have been, like, got flogged to death in, the, in the, right up until almost the 80s, the big songs in here. Well, how old were you in 68, Bonnie? Three. Oh, old Self-respecting three-year-old oh, you'll be doesn't know a lot of songs by then. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, the Wiggles weren't around back in 68, I admit, but, you know, there were was, was men. And you were, you were up and about, Brian, at this stage? I was about seven, uh, so, yeah, I was rocking. Fronting your second or third band by then, weren't you? Oh, I was. I'd broken up three bands due to uh, creative differences by the time <laughs> I was seven. Yeah, you wanted the uh, the fairy bread and the rider, and they were, they were arcing up about it. Yeah, they
2: wanted the to rush record it. Yes, wasn't? no, it's too much. Absolutely,
0: anyway. all right. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks to uh, to Ken and to, uh, and to Heidi. Who also made a few suggestions of names for this, but here it is. Here's Chart Attack, the new TW Top Forty for the week commencing seventeenth of October, nineteen sixty eight. Finally, give me a number. Number nineteen. Number nineteen. Number oh, well, this seat. You reckon you don't know them. You'll know this one because it, it's been a hit about fifteen times. This was the Australian version. Um, it is The Lion Sleeps Tonight by The Love Machine. Well, that's okay. We certainly know that. Whim away, whim away, whim away.
1: That's the whim away, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And The Love Machine, from my memory, were a Sydney session band who um, I can't remember who was in it, but uh, I remember them being on Uptight because at this stage in the the late part of the 60s, the, the main TV show was Uptight on a Saturday morning and I think the ABC might have had a couple of shows, hit scene or something might have been on it around this time as well, but there weren't many sort of pop shows on television. But, yeah, whim Away, there you go. The Lion Sleep's night. Brian, give me a number. Oh, yeah, it's the Lucky Seven. Lucky Seven. Ooh, I don't know if you remember this one. Uh, okay. These are all I was I was 12, so all these songs, I had the radio on all the time and I know all these songs. This was called Indian Reservation by a bloke called Don Farden. Don Far Don That's with a D. F A R D O N, Brian. It was the about. lament of the Cherokee Indians. It was called Indian Reservation. And I think Don. Is that, ac- is that the
2: one that goes, got the whole
0: Indian nation? I'm trying to think. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think, yeah I,
0: think it, I think I know that. Don. Yeah, I think it's pretty no, cool. Actually, yeah, I think I think that's that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the one. There were two songs yeah. around at that time, um, and I'm pretty Ooh, sure Don was actually good, a, a Cherokee Indian, and that's why it was called the Lament of the Cherokee Indians.
1: Wow. I know, I know Indian reservations.
0: You do really? Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: Can I was table for four on Saturday <laughs> night? Yes, no problem. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and welcome back to, back to my of welcome back to it, ain't half hot, Mum. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, I'm going to pick a number. I haven't, haven't had a look here. I'll, I'll go for 23. 23. Where are we? 23. Oh, hang on. I don't know this one. Oh, no, I think I do. It's the Vogue's. Remember the Vogue's? Oh, vaguely. Not No, the Vogue's, not Vague's. The Vogue's, Brian. Um, they had five. Yeah. O'clock, they had five o'clock world. That good song that uh, Drew Carey did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the vogs. Uh, five o'clock world. Is a good song. Sorry. I, I know five o'clock world. Yeah, That's five o'clock world. I, I think song.
1: was on. I reckon five o'clock world was on the soundtrack to Good Morning Vietnam.
0: Yeah, I reckon you're right. It was. Yeah, I agree. It's good. A really good song. That it's not five o'clock world. It's turn around, look at me, which I'm not. I, what's popping into my head is that bloody, silly Bonnie Tyler song, Turn Around, Turn Around, but it's not its not that song, clearly. No. Um,
1: there was an Australian version of that song. Really? Turn around, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> look
0: at me. <my, laughs> very good, funny. Captain <laughs> Kidd. Yes, very good. And then, and think that was followed up
2: with another song called "Love onto this bastard.
0: <laughs> All right. Give me another number, Brian. Number 13. 13. Oh. The go? Hey? Oh, no. You have a go there, Brian. Yeah, no. I oh, I did. It's random. It's, it's a chart attack. Oh, can oh it okay. Take it in 13. Number it's 13. Anyway. Good song. I've got, I have got. bought the single of this. It's the Beach Boys' Do It Again.
2: Remember this that? This is the one that Rockpile
0: sings, isn't it? Do, no, I don't think. I don't remember. Some old 55? I don't remember Old 55 Do doing a version again. of it.
2: Oh, Okay. No, real... let's do it. This is do it again.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, this is do it again. This
2: is a real... Well, everybody, in, well, I think that people, what they need to understand is that in 1968, it was the summer of love, and um, everybody was clearly doing it. Um, you know, he, not, he did it once, and it was so good, he thought he'd do it again. Exactly. So hence the title of the song and uh, she must have been okay
0: because he was going back for more. Right. Thank you very good much. You. Thank you very no much. Problem. Yes, good. Uh, lovely uh, song definition there of what Brian Wilson was thinking when he wrote Do It Again, I don't think. All right. oh, I know well, exactly what he was thinking. Yeah. He wanted
2: another route. <laughs> Can you. I admit something here on
1: mm-hmm. this program?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I don't know whether this is sacrilege or not. Mm. I don't like even song by the Beach Boys. Oh, Ooh.
0: turn it up.
1: There you go.
0: I don't like them. controversial. Yeah. Any song? Not pretty much. Oh, no, no, no. And now I'll tell you what, I'll give you one song that if you don't like this, um, I, I, I question your ears. Finey? Yep. God Only Knows by the Beach Boys is one of the most beautiful songs ever.
1: No, no, I don't like the Beach Boys. I've got to set against them. Maybe it's because of Brian Wilson when he came to St Kilda. That's
0: what he did. <laughs> d- <laughs> different, <laughs> diff- different Brian Wilson. <laughs> did uh, he do it again? Uh, he didn't do it uh, at all. No, he didn't do it at all. He <laughs> no, d- didn't do much at all, did he? <laughs> um, he had one game.
1: He had one, actually he had one game where he sort of won a game, I reckon. Did he play one and game, his did his he? Death? Oh, wow. No, they played a handful of games. Oh, okay. But he had one game where he sort of. It was a famous game. We beat Essendon. We kicked like 18 goals free, and Essendon kicked 14-20 or something. And I think Brian Wilson might have kicked the winning goal.
0: Okay. And you're talking about the Brian and Wilson he... who won the Brownlow medal, Brian Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. I, I knew he'd left the doggies and went to Melbourne, and uh, I do. I can't remember the St Kilda thing. How many games did he played for St Kilda? Oh, about 10. He, he, uh, did he, he didn't ever see your game at Melbourne, at, at Bulldogs? Bulldog. No. Played to
1: Melbourne, North Melbourne, and Kilda, and did he post for Essendon. I reckon he played for four clubs. Oh, okay, anyway,
0: Anyhow. but yeah, he played for Kilda. Okay, all right, so that's why you don't like the Beach Boys, all right? Okay, I'll uh, I'll pick a number. I'm going to go for number five. Number five is alive. Number five is alive. Oh yes, Brian, you'll love this. That's all right. right, I reckon you will too, funny It was a um, one of those wonderful. Um, a and B-side both mentioned as being hits because Couldn't Work Out, which was, you know, the better song of the two, and I love both these two songs. It's The Monkees. Ooh. What Am I Doing Hanging Around? Good song. And Mary Mary. It's not bad song. Yeah. Uh, what Am I Doing oh, Hanging yeah. Around? I loved. I thought that was a great song. That's Michael Nesmith doing the vocals on that, I think.
2: His mum invented what a uh, liquid paper, Kev. Did she really, Brian? Never come up on this show before, but uh, I'll just sort of let you know that interesting piece
0: of uh, business, <laughs> right? And Davy Jones sang the lead vocals on "Mary Mary." Good song. <coughs> now, that's a that's a. Uh, I would have. That's a single you would have rushed out and bought. Yeah, well, I, like, I like "Mary Mary." Yeah, "Mary Mary's good song. "Mary Mary," we not he
2: go be? in the middle? In the middle, of sort of whispers to Mary.
0: I love you. Is that the one? Or is that in the no, middle? Yes, a little. He whispers he whispers a fair bit. Remember, he whispers at the start of Daydream Believer, where he goes. It's a whisperer. Yeah. Well, at the start of Daydream really goes, What take is this? Is this. And they go, 17 or 7A or whatever it is, they say. Uh, I at the beginning of Daydream Believer, he
2: whispers.
0: We stole this from the Beatles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very good, funny. Or right, give me another <clears throat> number, Fanny. Uh, was there anything good happening at 32? thirty-two? Thirty-two. Ah. Uh, uh, ooh. Oh, I've, I've actually. My mother loved this song, and I bought this. Ray Stevens. Do you remember Ray Stevens? Is he a novelty singer? Yes, absolutely. But this is probably the one song that wasn't a novelty song because he did Guitar Zan, if you remember. (laughs) The Streak. Yes, he did do The Streak. Very good, funny. (laughs) But this was one that he did uh, that uh, was a very serious, kind of almost observational type thing and almost had a uh, kind of backbeat going on. It's a really serious kind of song called Mr. Businessman. I actually really liked the song. It was about a black worker oh. nine to five, and he was, you know, uh, involved in his business and all. Uh, yeah, it was a, a, one of the more serious songs that Ray Stevens did. All right, come on, oh, Mano, no, give me another no, one. They to- oh, yeah,
1: they call him the businessman. <laughs> whee- whee-
0: <laughs> the Streak. What an awful song. One more, Brian. Yep. Okay, I'll have number five. Number, I just did five. That's the monkeys. Right. Okay. i us take the B side. <laughs> Twenty six. Twenty six. Twenty six is oh, what a great song! Oh. Excellent song. Well, chosen gravy. Hey. The Who, Magic Bus. I wouldn't what? have a clue how that goes. Really? Oh, Magic. Magic Bus. Oh, ma- oh, it's a great song. Really? Oh. I'm not a big fan of the Who. I reckon hang on a minute, who am be- I hang Who am I doing a show with? You're not a fan of The Who and he don't like the Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah. What so am I, I doing here? In,
2: <laughs> if The Who were playing in my backyard, I'd probably draw the block. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, ever since Roger Dolphy wore that light blue body shirt in Who Are You, I just can't drop it.
0: Oh, turn it up. All right, one one more funny. Uh, Let's
1: go. Let's go, number eight.
0: Number eight. Oh yeah. Oh, another good song. Great song. Great song. One one of the best use of organ uh, in the in the late (laughs)
2: nineteen (laughs) sixties.
0: Thank you, brother. You keep me hanging on by the vanilla fudge. which which was a hit for the Supremes as well. They did the kind of... Oh, that's what I
1: was thinking. That's what I was thinking of when you said you can't be hanging on. That's a great
0: song. Yeah, but the Vanilla Fudge version was uh, Carmine, whatever, who was playing drums, and I forget who the organ player was. They were uh, a heavy metal band, sort of-ish, but they did this massive big um, uh, organ thing on that. Now, the top five... In October 17, 1968, on the new 2UW chart, uh, number one was yep. Hey Jude, Revolution by the Beatles. Great film. Number two were Those Were the Days by Mary Hopkin. Oh, I, I like by, that song. Also written by Paul
2: McCartney.
0: Yep, correct. Um, saw her on Opportunity Knox. Number three, <laughs> Harper Valley PTA by Jenny C. Riley. Oh, good <laughs> Boy, now, I like Ripper. that. Number four was a double A side again. It was "I Say Little Prayer" and "The House That Jack Built" by Aretha Franklin. Well, I can't remember the house that Jack built, but "I Say Little Prayer" was huge. Yeah, it was massive. Um, number five was the Monkeys. We mentioned them. Number six was "Street Fighting Man" by the Stones. Oh, good job! Yeah, absolutely. 7 was Indian Reservation, 8 was you keep me hanging on. Number 9, now this is uh, absolutely typical of the late 1960s. Number 9 was 123 Red Light by the 1910 Fruit Gum Company.
2: 123 Red Light. Seven <laughs> <laughs> <eat> right. <laughs> a bad song.
0: Yeah. Yeah, bubblegum. The bubblegum songs are good. And number 10 was yeah, I got I didn't it. Uh, Number 10 was I got to get a message to you by the BGs. Not a good song. Yeah, It was a pretty good year for music. Oh, and look, there's other songs. Classic Gas" by Mason Williams is in there. Um, oh, Leapy, Leapy Lee's Little Arrows is in there. Mama Cass, Dream A Little Dream Of Me. Uh, hey. Who else is in there? Um, the Box Tops, I Met Her In Church. Is a good song. Uh, what else is there in here? Met Her In Church. Yeah, not a bad song. Uh, she goes to
1: church to pick up chicks.
0: The, the Turtle Surfer Dan was in there. Status Quo was in there. um uh, yeah. Engelbert Humperdinck was in there. What was Engelbert doing? Les the that, that French thing that he did. Les Bisciclades de Beltaille. That's it. Les
2: Bisciclades de Beltaille. Yes, beautiful song.
0: Ah, there you now, go.
2: Just,
1: just, on what, just on what Brian was saying, there's an article in the paper in the week, during the week. Now, I don't know what country this was in, but a, a, a I don't know, not a priest, but like a... um, Man had in a dress? dress. The, head, the head of the parish, whatever it was, the minister, and two girls were charged with various offences because they were caught having sex in the church.
0: Right. This is mm-hmm. a
1: true story. I read in the news. Yep. And there was, there was like a, a 20-year-old girl and a 34-year-old a 20-year-old woman, a 34-year-old woman and the and the minister or the parish priest, and his defence, first of all, they were saying that they had been invited in there by him and, and it was all his doing, and his defence was that he was showing them what it was like to be possessed by evil. <laughs> oh, right.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> How's that? Look, look. If you are evil, this is what
0: could happen to you. Oh, you know, dear. Get, your, oh, get your gear off. Oh, dearie me. Oh. Jeez, it's
2: a, it's, it's a, not the best big up line I've ever heard, but, you know.
0: <laughs> it yeah. All right. That is uh, that is our – well, it clearly works. That is our program. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this edition of uh, Rock and Roll. Continue on your journey, uh, boys, and we'll talk next week. Okay. I'll do that. Good luck to your footy teams. Um, <laughs> yeah. And good luck to the Beach Boys. I hope they can get you <laughs> get, get right. Don't like yeah, the the Yeah, the Who uh, gets pissed off as well. You don't know the Who, but you can sing one, two, three, red light, Mannix. Really, seriously, there's something, something amiss with you. Stop tune, one, two, three, red light. stop stop. <laughs> you beauty. See you, boys. Have a good week. See, See you,
1: You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.